Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, everyone. Usually at the top of the episode, I make some sort of like cute reference to a thing you're going to hear later, but I actually don't want to do that this time because this episode is extremely heavy. One of the heaviest we've ever done. It deals with crime, mental illness, violence against women. So I'm not going to try to say anything cute up top. I'll just say this is Beautiful Anonymous as always. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hey, everybody. It's Chris here. We recorded this back in May. Usually what happens when we have episodes that have been sitting in the queue for that long is I will re-record the intro. But... Now you're about to hear what I recorded directly after recording a call in May because I think you can hear the impact in my voice and I don't want to replace it with something new all these months later. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. This one is heavy. This is someone who they tell you right away they were friends with someone who murdered a person. And it is not something in the past. It is unfolding. It's within days. And they're still processing it. And I feel very flattered that they trusted me to process some of those feelings while being recorded. It's intense. It's horrible. A person died. Uh, They were targeted based on being a female. There's a lot of stuff to warn you about. Real mental illness talk of suicide, many, many things that I think are hard for people to hear, and they're all in one episode. So that being said, I do think the caller laid out so many thoughts about how to process this, so many thoughts about the state of the world and how it it, it might have helped lead to this, so many thoughts about how to be a parent having experienced this that I think are in their own way beautiful to hear and powerful to hear and and worth hearing uh, for all of us. So I hope you get something out of this and I hope you walk away as I did feeling like, wow, I I just learned a lot, not just factually, but emotionally. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Um, it's up and down. It's up and down, really. I'm feeling well. I'm feeling really good. I've moved into my new house, so that saga's over. And my neighbors are really nice, so I'm really pleased about that. Um, and then I'm also. Uh, I don't want to go too dark too fast, but if I'm being honest, there's a lot of really mm-hmm. disturbing things happening the past couple of days too. So I'm. I'm I'm reconciling Yeah, it's that. been wild. Yeah. yeah, you and me both. Yeah, and I don't want to lead this conversation in any direction, but, you know, seeing videos of people getting killed, seeing videos of reporters getting arrested live on the air, I'm, I'm very disturbed by that. And also, I just moved into this nice house and I'm feeling a lot of sort of guilt about how lucky I am. And how peaceful my life is. So that's how I'm doing. That's how I'm doing. Yeah. I, uh, man, I I couldn't relate more. Um, On Sunday, I found out that one of my friends uh, murdered somebody. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm crying already. I thought I could do this. (laughs) Um. I just didn't know who else to talk to. Well, I'm happy to listen and ask <laughs> and ask some probing questions that I'm, yeah. I'm sure will make you cry further. Apologies ahead of time. That's okay. That. No, it's okay. I'm uh, 
if I'm here, I think it's cathartic to kind of talk through stuff like this. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just like, I, I wake up, I'm not that old, but I can really read the news, which why anybody reads the news these days is beyond me because it's, it's terrible. It's horrible. The things that are going on. Um, but you know, I like to stay as informed as I can. And, uh, you know, I clicked on a news article and, um, you know, I just said this, this man killed this woman. And, uh, so I clicked it and I, the way the article was set up, I, I read the name of the person before I saw the picture of him. And so I'm like furiously scrolling to the bottom of the, of the article where they post the pictures. And, uh, it is, it's the, the person that I know. And I audibly gasped and cried immediately. And I, I didn't even read the article. Like I just read the headline and his name and saw him and just cried. Cause I, I don't even need to know the details. Like I, I have enough of what he did to understand that this is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and so I go back up and I'm, I'm reading the police report and I, I can't, I'm just not wrapping my head around what is happening and what I'm reading. Um, and it's limited information at first, right? They don't have all the details and, uh, Soon thereafter, uh, you know, then I'm getting, I actually, I met this person through work. And uh, so a lot of my, I actually don't work at that company anymore. um, And neither did he. um, But a lot of my coworkers started sending me, you know, all these articles because it's posted a hundred different places. And uh, I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I see it. And um, so then just like a flood of information coming in. And I'm just having a hard time reconciling the person I knew and who I loved and cared about and the decision that he made. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling. Like I'm not sleeping. (laughs) I'm running on about eight hours of combined sleep from Sunday to today. Um, I'm just stressed and I'm physically ill and I, I just, I don't know how to, how to reconcile this this person who just made this horrible decision. Now you say you have, you've had eight hours of sleep since Sunday. I I should note for anyone listening, it's Friday. So you've just been up all night, every night since this happened, huh? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I got some sleep. I'm some sleep about three hours last night. And I, I have, I like I'm having nightmares and it, I'm just, it's, it's either nightmares or no sleep at all. And neither one of those are good things. Now you said you have a lot of love for this person. So you met through work, but you did develop an actual friendship. It sounds like then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was in a manager position. Um, I'll just say I was HR. Um, and like the worst HR person ever because, <laughs> because I was friends with, with the people that I worked with. That's just kind of my personality. So like the employees liked me, my managers didn't, um, not fine. Um, so yeah. Um, you have people that are in and out of your office all the time. They have questions with payroll and benefits and, anything, right? Like they come into your office to tell you that they had babies. They come into your office to tell you that they got married. And, and those are things that are important to know for like legal reasons, um, in a workplace, like if you're trying to do insurance and stuff, but also like I was friends with these people. And so, um, you know, a lot of times it was just to come tell me because they were excited and I knew I would be excited for them. Um, and so this was a person who, yeah, would come just into my office just to say hi, just to have a chat. Um, just because we had a really good friendship. Um, and after he had quit, um, it was one of those that when he left, like I actually really was uh, upset. That's not the right word. I don't know. Just, I guess sad, I guess. Um, cause I wasn't going to see this person every day. Um, and 
truth be told, like, I mean, in a, in a typical nine to five working environment, you see these people more than you see your family. I mean, I'm with, I'm with these coworkers eight, nine, 10 hours a day. Um, I'm with them more than I'm with my daughter. And so, yeah, these feelings and these friendships develop just because of proximity, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here's something that's striking me right away. You're in HR. So Mm -hmm. if people have concerns about the behavior of their coworkers, they come to you presumably, right? So if someone was to say, this person has some, some anger, some rage, their job would, did you, is this a person who had any sense that they had this in them? Like, were there any warnings? Never, not, not in the workplace. Um, and, and truthfully, not even outside the workplace to answer your question fully. While he was working with me, no. There was never any indication. Um, I never had any complaints about him. Um, managers didn't complain about him. He was there. He did his work. He was on time. He did it well. Um, that was never an issue. After he quit, though, um, and again, me being the worst HR person in the world, like I have people have my cell phone numbers um, just because if they have questions outside of work, like in open enrollment times or they're off on their day where they get payroll. Um, I just don't care that people have my cell phone number. Um, and it's used appropriately. Like I've not ever had anybody abused it. So after this person quit, um, he was kind of texting me more on a regular basis. And I was fine with that. Um, because again, like I'm no longer in a position where I sort of need to maintain that professionalism. Um, I can sort of let that wall down and be more friendly to him. And, um, you know, he had got like this tattoo on his shoulder. Um, and he was like, Hey, I have this new tattoo. Do you want to see it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so he sent me a picture and I was like, Oh, you know, cool. What, what's the reason behind that? Cause I just assume that most people that get tattoos have some sort of meaning behind it. That's not always true. Um, but I thought it might be the case for him. And he said, uh, sorry, I'm, you probably put out a trigger warning before uh, before you put this out. But um, he said that he had got the the tattoo to cover scarring on his arm because he had previously um, done some self harm. And so that was kind of my first indication that, like, oh, this is a sad person. Like, this is a person that has some mental illness. And I also have mental illness. Like, I have a, I have perpetual depression all the time. Um, and so, um, you know, I just was like, well, this is a person that, that's sad. And I was like, man, I'm really sorry to hear that that was something that you went through, but it sounds like you're finding a way to heal. Um, and it was fine mostly after that. Um, a couple of months later, it did start getting into a, um, weirder territory in that um, he was married and had a family and um, he had kind of made a pass at me. Like, well, I don't know that you can make a pass over text, but he had texted me something that was, that was inappropriate for somebody who was married. And I was like, Hey dude, like, that's not cool. Like you and I are both in relationships and sorry, I'm outside. There's my car coming. Um, you and I are both in relationships and, and I don't want to jeopardize mine. And I certainly don't want you to jeopardize yours. And so like, I need you to cool it if you want to continue to talk and be friends. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Um, and I stopped talking to him for just a minute. It just seemed like he was going through some other things and it was more him that had pulled back than I did. Um, I didn't reach out though. And then he did get divorced. And then it did start to get so much weirder after that, where he was like, he would call me in the middle of the night and he would, he would say things like, Hey, like I, I don't want to live anymore. And I'm going like, what can I do for you? Truly? What can I do for you in this moment? Because I can't leave my house. I can't leave my daughter. I certainly can't have him come over. And so I'm like, what, what can I do for you? You know, and he's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. I just don't have any friends. I just don't want to live anymore. And then he would hang up and I would try to call him back and he wouldn't answer. And so then I would get worried. Well, one of the 
people that we worked with, um, this, my friend, um, sorry, how do I want to explain this? To make a long story short, I just was able to have somebody else connect with him. And I was like, hey, this person texted me last night or called me and, and was really struggling and he was threatening to commit suicide. And so can you just make sure he showed up to work today? Because he's not answering my calls. And they would go, yeah. And then they'd report back to me. They'd be like, he's fine. He showed up. He's fine. And I'm like, okay. And so that happened a few more times and I would do the same thing and he would hang up on me or he wouldn't answer my texts anymore. And so I do the same thing. Can you make sure this person showed up to work? And uh, every time he did. And so I kind of got to a point where I, I stopped believing his story of not loving himself, not wanting to live, not, and I guess stopped believing isn't the right word. I, I did believe that there were issues there, but I couldn't help him. He wasn't, one, he wasn't allowing me. And two, I didn't know how. I didn't know how. And so when this report comes out, and it says, you know, he has a history with mental illness and he has a history of a suicidal, and they put this in there, which I didn't know, homicidal ideolations daily. I lost it because I was like, freaking crap. I should have done more. I should have done something different to help him. He was asking me, Chris. Chris, he was asking me for help and I let him down. That's... uh I've never heard this story before. And I've heard a lot at this point. Yeah. I know that I've been on both sides of the fence. I've yeah. uh, I've been someone who's reached out for help and has expressed to people that I've I've been feeling those suicidal thoughts. I've also been someone who who people have turned to and mm-hmm. uh, and and neither one is is easy. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine, I, I, I don't want to say something that uh, I'm worried about even saying this, but I feel like it's it's like part of the conversation is when someone reaches out to you and says that, it, it, it fills you with real dread. And like you said, you're reaching out to people going, can you just tell me if the person's okay? And then I know the thing you're saying as well. And I I, I know this from both sides where it's it's almost like you're describing it. It's, it's coming up so often that maybe it starts to feel... You don't want to say crying wolf, but maybe the mm-hmm. the impact it's starting to become a little bit more static because it's so constant and you feel like it's it's clearly like the person is finding ways to keep going and, and, and maybe it's it's a cry for help more than a real thing. But my I guess my thought is it's almost more devastating to hear that someone else had their life taken. Not that you'd ever wish for someone to take their own life, but it's so shocking to get messages from someone that says, I don't want to be alive anymore. And to know the stress and the pain of that. Mm-hmm. And then to hear, wait, they they murdered someone, someone else? That's that's devastating. Right. Right. Um and I mean, like, I knew, again, because we worked together, and I knew the people that he ran in circles with, um, I did reach out to them a lot to just go, hey, is he also talking to you like this? Because they, again, I, I don't want to, like, oh, it's so hard. I, I, I Sorry. These sentences have ends. I'm trying to put them together. Um, he talked to other people, um, but I, I didn't want to feel manipulated and that yeah. sounds negative, right? Because I didn't, I didn't want it to be like a cry for attention because like I had said, he had made the comment to me first that he was interested in, in trying to hook up with me in a sense. And when I shot him down, then there was that switch that was like, well, I don't want to live anymore. And so I didn't want it to be like a, Hey, I shot him down. And now this is his way of trying to manipulate me into coming over or doing something, which isn't safe either. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had talked to other people and been like, is he also expressing these things to you? And the girls that I had talked to said, yes, the boys that I had talked to said, no, 
Right. So that gets your gears turning that there's, like you said, manipulation here of, of why, why is that exactly? And is he, is he hitting on all the girls like this? Is this some sort of tactic that's tying mental illness together with that? I, I, I see what you're saying there. If that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I thought, I don't know. Uh, under just hearsay and, and what people have been sending me and telling me, there were police reports that had been made against him in previous months over comments that he made um, at his new place of employment and um, other girls that he had talked to that had gone to law enforcement, um, which I didn't know until recently. And by recently, I mean like yesterday. Yeah. So there were maybe some stalking issues springing up with people or things like that. And I, and I don't know, like if it was just like a bombardment of, of texts, Hey, he won't leave me alone. Um, cause man, technology, right? Like you have nine ways to Sunday to get in touch with somebody that's not through a home, which doesn't lessen the severity of, of how often you're being communicated with. Um, and so I, again, I, I just like, I feel guilt feeling like I've let him down because he, he was clearly asking for some help that I couldn't give him. But then I hear about people making police reports and doing things in which I feel like someone could have helped more than just me. And it, that didn't happen either. And I, I know that law enforcement's hands are tied, but, and let me spit that at this at you real quick. Like, um, I don't think you have to blur these names because it's a, like a national story. There was that girl, Lauren McCluskey that got, um, murdered in Utah actually. Right. Um, and she had gone to police and said, this person is, like extorting me for money for these pictures that I sent and he won't leave me alone. And he's a crazy person. Help me. And I don't know what they did or didn't do, but the person that she filed the police report against murdered her. And so in my head, I just go, what can we do differently so that this isn't happening? Because that person did everything right. Yeah. Right. That person did what she was supposed to do and still lost her life. And so people here are doing what they're supposed to do to try to help this super sick individual. And he still murdered somebody. Like, I don't, I guess I'm trying to place blame. <laughs> I'm trying to make sense of why this happened and I can't do it. Of course. I, can I say one thing in reaction to yes. the, you, you before, I mean, it, and I have to say too, you're processing all these thoughts out loud right now, and it's yeah, it's super fascinating to hear. And it's I also want to just make sure you know, I hear like the struggle in in doing that, and I'm with you, and I don't want to exploit that. I I want to say before you said something along the lines of you know I should have done more. He reached out for help, and I didn't do anything. I just want to say it sounds like you did do a lot. You were reaching out to people who were still in touch with him. You were reaching out to people who had closer relationships. And I'm no expert, but those sound like very valid things to do to me. Those sound like you did help. And I just want to say, there's no world in which you should be putting any blame on yourself for this, e even to that degree. This sure. is a person who hit on you through texts, made you uncomfortable. This is a person who you still tried to maintain a friendship with. This is someone who expressed these things and you immediately started reaching out to the people who were still around them, making sure they're still showing up at work, making sure that people who were still actual, actually closer were on it. And I, I will pass on something to you. A, a very good friend of mine, when... When I, when I got really public about the fact that I had harmed myself at one point and was on TV saying it, I've mentioned on the show since then, and it continues to this day, I've been 
really bombarded by people who reach out to me for help. And there was a stretch of life where I was answering every single one. And a friend of mine sat me down and said, you, you, you can't, you can't make your whole life trying to save everybody else. It's not your job. And, and you've done your part stuff you've put out there. You've done your part. And, and I'm telling you, I've had people who will send me, I, I still read them. I see them, but I've, I've come to understand. I cannot answer all of them. It's not always healthy. Yeah. People are reaching out for, to a stranger and it's not healthy. It's not healthy to send someone a text and say, I, I want to take my life. And then when you respond, they stop answering. This is not healthy behavior. I've had people who will message me and when I don't answer, we'll write back and say, wow, I can't even get Mr. Public Depression guy to answer me. I must be the worst piece of shit on earth. I've had people who message me and I don't answer. And then they message me again two years later and they go, fuck you. I had someone who just messaged me and, and I didn't answer. And then the next message that came in from them was, wow, I guess you're just in this for the money. That's why you talk about this stuff. And it's brutal. It's brutal. But at a certain point, you know, I, I've had to remind myself, I, 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 these people are strangers and there's better ways for them to get help. And, and I can't, I can't, I can't make this my whole life and my whole focus. And it sounds to me like you're you're living your own version of that in a way where you did take actions and you did reach out to people who were in more of a position to help. You did engage in conversations that he cut off. These are all things you've mentioned. So I really wanted to just jump in and say that that part of it where you go, I should have done more. He reached out. Don't, don't blame yourself. It's, it's hard not to in the days afterwards, but you did. You took actions. You've already described them. There's always, obviously, yeah. obviously a person died. So there was always more to be done, but that's not on you. That's not your job. You tried. Thank you. Now, I, I almost, I feel bad asking, but just for the sake of getting a sense of the whole picture, do you know the nature of the relationship with the person who he murdered? Uh, do you know what happened? Yeah, I, I do. Do you, do you want the nitty gritty of it? And obviously, we should pause there. Obviously, do you want to hear the nitty-gritty is a question where I think a lot of people will need to decide if they want to hear the nitty-gritty. So take a break. Our advertiser here, I thank them for supporting the show and allowing it to happen. But the nitty-gritty is coming, and we'll be right back. That is the end of our break. Now we are going to get into some, some very real details about what happened. Do you, do you want the nitty-gritty of it? I feel like it. it's... It's it's certainly something I'm sitting here wondering about. So sure, sure. If, yeah, um, if it's not too, but I don't want to put you through anything horrific. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Like I said, I, I, I feel like talking about what has happened and hearing the nature of the things that he has done and thought and said helps me realize how sick he was. And again, that's, that's me trying to reconcile and just go, maybe there wasn't anything that anybody could have done. He made his choices, um, despite everybody's efforts. Um, so he was on a dating app and they matched. I don't know. I don't understand dating apps, but they matched at like, I don't know, eight o'clock at night, somehow, corresponded he picked her up from her home at nine o'clock and they went to a bar um based on uh, you guys could easily figure out where i'm from based on this but um like we're the state that i'm in we're uh we're pretty low cases we're not um like covid's not shut everything down so like for them to meet up and go to a bar seems perfectly normal during this (laughs) pandemic at this point in time um so they went to a bar and then they went back to a home that he somehow had access to. There's still some loose ends on that that we're not sure about. 
um, took her back to a home that he had access to and they engaged in adult relations and fell asleep. So at about three in the morning, um, he woke up, she was sleeping on his arm. He woke up and he started to strangle her for what he says was about a minute. And then he stopped. Uh, he then went to the kitchen and got a knife and then stabbed her more times. Um, and then called the police on himself about 10 minutes later. Um, they call, they pick when he calls to let them know what he had done. He asked for suicide by police, um, which isn't surprising, but still sad. And yeah, that's what happened. So he knew this person less than six hours. Like this was totally random. Um, it could have literally been anybody. He had no idea who this person was. So he really just became unhinged mentally. Yeah, really. So yeah, reconciling and coming to terms with that person who was, had those capabilities, I'm struggling because that's not how I knew him. I knew him as a friend and a father and a husband and a good worker and none of those things. I mean, some people that, that have mental illness, well, a lot of people that have mental illness handle it well. They're on medications. They have their issues, but would never dream of doing something like this. And But he literally did. I mean, it said he had suicidal and homicidal idolations. And again, as, as more information is coming out, he had made comments to people about killing other people. And those people went to the police with it. And the police were pretty much like, she hasn't done anything, so what can we do? And it's true, Chris, really. What can they do? What can they do with that? Well, you'd think that if someone, uh, here's one thing I will say in answer of that directly. I know that, I know for a fact that there are places where if you call the police and say, hey, this person's expressing some, some, some really unsafe stuff that they will go do a welfare check. They will go talk to the person. They will go get uh -huh. a sense of if they need to be committed to a hospital. So, uh-huh. This You hear stories like this, and look, being a police officer is a hard job, and good cops are of extraordinary value to society. But you hear some stories like this where, like you mentioned, like you mentioned that girl in Utah where people do the right thing, people do reach out, and, and maybe there was, you know, once authorities are alerted, you you. you you do start to wonder, like I said before, you you did reach out to others in concern. It sounds like some of those people who are closer reached out to the authorities in concern. It's hard to say what more could they do because maybe this person should have been in a mental hospital and, and that is on professionals right. to go check in on. So I, I do feel like, yeah, when you ask me what more could they do, they could have done a welfare check. They could have had this person in a hospital. You know, and in fairness, maybe they did do a welfare check and I, you know, I'm not privy to that, that information. Um, and I know that like his family tried to put him into a rehab center, um, because he had kind of started drinking. Um, and he was from a religious background. Um, and, you know, part of that religion was like not drinking, not doing drugs, like no premarital sex, like those things. And like no tattoos, like you don't mark up your body. I'm sure you guys can figure out what religion he was. Um, but all, like all of that changed. Like he just went entirely against that grain. And so I think his family, like that was their first warning sign was that he's not behaving in a way that he typically had been. Um, and so I know that his family had tried to, 
to do that for him as well. And so I don't, I don't know. It just, I'm just struggling. My mind is just going a, a hundred miles a minute and I, you know, and I, 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 and you always feel bad for the victim. Like always, you always feel bad for the victim. That's just like common sense. Right. And when you hear about these people that like murder other people or place harm, even assault other people and do stupid stuff, you're just like, Oh, they're the worst person in the world. Well, now I know the worst person in the world, but I don't know him as the worst person in the world. But he obviously had those tendencies. He obviously was super sick. And I, 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 I have to accept that. I'm in the, the bargaining state of the stages of grief. I think I get to be depressed for a little while and then oh, I can accept yeah. it. You got to give yourself, per- give yourself permission, go. give yourself permission to be real shell shocked and sad about this one for a while. Yeah. Do you go process it, get it, go, go through those stages. You have every right. Can I, can I ask you a question that's a, a little macabre and, and a little scary? Yeah, always. So he picked up a girl and he did this. He'd, mm-hmm. been, he'd been hitting on you and he'd been hitting on others mm-hmm. in his life. Does the thought yeah. cross your mind of, holy shit, this, this could have been me. Yes. Yes. And I, and I, this whole conversation has been about me, but and I, and I really have tried to not make this, about me when people have talked to me about it. Meaning that like, I don't want to be like, Oh my God, that could have been me. Cause it, I know that it could have been, um, but it was someone else. And so I was trying to keep the focus on, on her and on, on him. Um, but I, I did have someone say to me, I, and he probably meant it fine. I don't, I don't know. I got angry at it, but what he said to me was, well, aren't you relieved that it wasn't you? Well, no shit. I'm relieved it wasn't me, but that's like, that's not what the point is here. The point is is that this is a person that made a decision that has affected a lot of people and someone lost their life. Like, no, I'm not relieved that it wasn't me, but I also, Chris had the knowledge of where this would have gone based on conversation. And, and I don't want to victim shame. And this poor girl has gotten so much of that like the comments that people have left and have made by saying like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that he let her pick him up. And this is why you don't use dating apps and how immoral of them. This is a hookup site and they were only using it to be, you know, to hook up. And if they had any sort of moral bone, they wouldn't have done that. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like someone has died horrifically and you're mad about how she got there. She didn't have the knowledge. She didn't know that this person had thought about killing himself, had made passes at a lot of women who had made comments before and had done stuff like that. So yes, the thought has crossed my mind that it could have been me, but I also know that I didn't, I wouldn't have put myself in that situation, but based on the knowledge that I had. This poor girl didn't have the knowledge of who this person was. And just another thing to mention. I mean, you've mentioned you live in an area where there are, are, are intense religious uh, overtones. And I, I mean, I, you, you don't want to make a guess, but, you know, there, there's certain parts of the country where... <laughs> It's really religion is a very dominant thing. And I think yeah. religion plays a great role in people's lives, but it's, you know, even if this girl did want to just pick someone up and did just want to fool around in a sexual way, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean she was asking to get murdered. Right. That's right. not, and and I, no, I'm not trying to throw aspersions, but sometimes I think people who live in a very strict moral way, which religion can sometimes ask you to do, will jump to that of well, why did she? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
Right. If you want to judge someone's lifestyle, I, I, you, I guess you can. I personally think it's a shame when people do, but even that, you got to draw a line and go. Doesn't it doesn't make it their fault that they got murdered? And I, I do think that's something I need to say. Of like, someone's allowed to sexually experiment or be sexually free, right? And not, and and right. That's why. That's why serial killers so often focus on prostitutes, right? When you read up on that, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, because society mm-hmm. society's judgment is so hard. But doesn't mean someone gets murdered. People, people, right? Serial killers focus on the homeless too. The the people who get very judged. Oh well, that person shouldn't have been falling into drugs and drinking. That doesn't mean exactly. Get, none of that. None of that justifies or explains any of this. Right. Wow. No, that's exactly true. It is. And I mean, you know, it, it's so easy to sit there and point a finger when you're not in the middle of it. Right. And all of us have, like, I'm, I'm not saying that like I'm, I'm holier than that or I'm better than these people. Um, because yeah, we all, I think have had those moments where we're like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this person put themselves in that situation. And it's more just shock. I think it's just people trying to, I don't know, wrap their heads around it in one way or another, I suppose. But it's like, you know, if this were your daughter, and your daughter was going out to get some strange and she got murdered. I don't think you're going to be like, well, shit, she had gone out. You know, we wouldn't have been in this situation. You're not going to blame the victim and one that's of your own blood, but they do that to people that aren't related to them. They do that to perfect strangers. Yeah. Theoretical people in their mind. And you don't know what kind of game this guy was spitting either. Maybe. Right. There's also that manipulation, right? That I'll say this. Here's a thought crossing my mind too. This guy called the police. This, the idea of I'm going to pick someone up, we're going to have sex, and then I'm going to murder them. That sounds like a sick fantasy. And and when you're saying people had heard these suicidal and homicide mm-hmm. ideations, mm-hmm. it almost sounds. I keep thinking like the word serial killer pops into my mind, and I was just about to say like, oh, Ted Bundy was supposedly so charming, love at first sight, like. Maybe he's uh-huh. convincing this girl, but it sounds like this guy may have had some of those tendencies and and went through with it, and then called the police and was like, "You need to kill me." I'm I'm. It sounds like if there's a world in which this was a sexual murder fantasy of that sort that serial killers saw, right? That's wild to think about. This was just a dude who used to stop by your office to chit chat and joke around. Right, right, exactly. Um, gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, just like with the Ted Bundy thing and 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 you know serial killer and stuff. Because um, um, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. I feel so dumb. I just I because I can't keep one train of thought going the whole way. Oh, um, feel free, feel free to have racing thoughts. Right, <laughs> right now. You're on three hours of sleep. You you slept oh, eight hours since Sunday. <laughs> And you're dealing with a friend murdering someone. I think we would all agree on that. That if your friend murdered someone and you haven't slept at all in five days, you're allowed to have some scattered thoughts. I I think we would also all agree, caller, if you're listening to this, that you've been stunningly eloquent throughout the, the bulk of this. So no apologies. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Let's finish up this very shocking phone call you you slept oh, eight hours since sunday <laughs> and you're dealing with a friend murdering um they have charged him with first degree murder um yeah, so, so. I, and i don't know the difference between like well only a little bit first the difference between first and second and the, the first um implies premeditation where I think second is like, there was nothing that you just sort of snapped in a moment based on a situation or something. Um, but yeah, they've slapped him with, with first degree murder. Um, so back to him having these thoughts consistently. Yeah. Um, you know, he may not have premeditated it right there in that moment. Like he really could have just woken up and been like, I'm going to do this. Um, but because he had thought about it before, and constantly, you know, it's hard to say otherwise.
it's it's hard for me to know what to say about this, so I can't imagine what your week has been like. Well, and Chris, like I'm just a friend. Like I'm Yeah. I'm just a friend. I'm not a family member. I'm not his child. I'm not his ex-wife that has to explain to his child. I'm not a parent to him. I'm, and the fact that like I'm going through what I'm going through, I can only imagine what these other people are experiencing and nobody sympathizes with them (laughs) because he's done something terrible. And so nobody wants to be like a murderer sympathizer and be like, yeah, I'm friends with this person. I cared about this person. Cause then you do get all of the questions. Well, did you know? Yeah, we knew we just let him function under all of this stuff without doing anything. No, what a stupid thing to say. I hate to yes, laugh. Yes, we knew. Yes, people did what they could. I hate to laugh, but oh yeah, no, that thought you had someone asked you that. And the idea that your response would be like, Yeah, I got yeah, I got the sense that maybe he was a murderer eh, once or twice. Yeah, we've <laughs> I mean, and it's just people trying to be nice is the thing, yeah. right? Like when someone slips and falls and they're like, are you okay? You're like, my nose is busted, but yeah, I'm good. Like, no, I'm clearly not okay. Like, <laughs> And so when it's like on such a grander scheme and you have these parents of these kids and they're like, well, how are you doing? Well, not great. Thanks for asking. But, now, you know, no one sympathizes with those people. I think there's a lot of blame placed. At least in my, I mean, like I said, it, this happened Sunday morning. It's Friday. It's been less than a week. Like, Nobody's had time to understand this more than minute by minute at this point. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned before you have a daughter. Yeah. Now, uh, I hate, especially as someone who just became Ask a it. parent. It's okay. I mean, you know what I'm going to say, like, but, but you, you know, I think about my kids one and I think about stuff and get scared, but. This- you know, it is such a scary world. Um, God, like what is it? We man, like we're so freaking weird and there's just so many weird things that happen here. I'm sure it happens everywhere, but. You know, you, you tend to focus on where you're at and what's going on in, in your own backyard. Um, sorry, I live by an Air Force base and there's all these airplanes. I don't know if you can hear these, but um, there was just a news article that put out that was like, million-year-old man um, groomed two six-year-old girls via, I don't know, some video game into sending, them inappro- into sending him inappropriate pictures. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? And how did this happen? And see, in that moment, you kind of go, well, where are these parents? And then I look at myself and go, do I let my kid watch YouTube because I want to take a shower and shave my legs and not have to worry about what she's doing? Absolutely. So I'm no better than this other parent that somehow let this person chat with her daughter. But yeah, like how on earth did that happen? And how are people finding ways to exploit small children even like this doesn't go like oh what would your daughter do or how would you feel if this happened to your daughter your daughter was 23 years old I've got to worry about my daughter at six years old and how messed up is that like what kind of world are we in that I have to worry about my six-year-old being exploited by an adult man it makes me physically sick Chris it physically sick and I don't want to shut my daughter off to the world because that's not going to help her either but how do you explain to a six-year-old why she can't be leaving comments on YouTube or why she can't have a Snapchat or why she can't have a cell phone right now? You know, she just wants to be part of the cool kids club. And the amount of six-year-olds that have cell phones, my mind is blown. I don't understand it. But I guess I'm fortunate enough to be in a situation in which um, I'm able to be home when she's home. And so there's not a situation in which she would ever need like a cell phone to reach me. And I know that for a lot of working parents, um, you know, to make ends meet and you need that double income and stuff. There are times where, you know, your kids are home for a couple of hours by themselves. So if they need a cell phone, excuse me, to uh, be able to communicate and touch base for safety reasons. Like I, I get that, but six-year-olds having a cell phone just to have a cell phone, baffled. Yeah. 
sorry, that was a long-winded answer. I don't even know that that answered the question of that you didn't actually did. ask and that I just assumed that you were going to. Oh, of course. Of course. I just know. I, like, I already have thought about, all right, like, when my kid grows up, he's going to figure out his sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to know what to say about it. And if he is someone who wants to date women, I'm going to have to say, well, here's how you, you have to be respectful. You have to make sure you're not putting pressure on someone. You can't fall into like a, you know, like your stereotypical frat house mentality. Don't ever do someone with something mm-hmm. to impress someone else. Don't, don't, you know, all these thoughts that you have. And then you think about how people, how would I say it? The conversations someone must have when they have a daughter are all those things. Yeah. And also, don't get killed. Don't get stalked. Mm-hmm. Here's the warning signs yeah. for someone who might be abusive. It's it's just scary. I don't get it. I don't get people who react like when you look at it, it to me, it it's undoubtedly scarier to be a woman than it is to be a guy. It's just scarier. There's more things mm-hmm. to be scared about. And the idea that you already have to think of how do I teach my daughter to understand danger, to understand how to react to fear, to understand how to trust your gut when something seems really off, to understand how to not fall into these dark corners of the the internet. Like you said, like now gaming, mm-hmm. gaming are the gaming has become these virtual worlds and that's in some ways so exciting and cool to think about like the future of entertainment as this right but also creeps can hang out in that virtual world and they know how to hide in that virtual world yeah my uh sorry go ahead no no please please my so her dad and i we're actually we're not married um we live really close to each other though we have a really good relationship we're really lucky that we can co-parent and she's got a great stepmom and so you know i'm hoping that with more influences and more people that she can talk to like the better um, but my, my husband, he's so funny. He was like, he bought a new laptop recently and he was like, well, we can move our old computer. It's like a actual PC. He's like, you know, we can put that in your daughter's room so that she can do schoolwork. And I was like, absolutely not. Like there's never a time where we're going to have a computer in her room, like public, our four year area, our office, always there, never just in her room. And that wasn't a thought in his mind. Like it didn't even, it didn't even cross his mind that like, oh, this would be safer for her to have everybody know what it is that she's looking at all the time. <laughs> and that's not a lack of like trusting her. That's, a, that's us not trusting the world. Yeah. And it's interesting because like you, like as a parent, you want your kids. Oh my gosh. I was listening to whatever podcast it was. I, well, it's your podcast. Sorry. I don't know what conversation it was. <laughs> and they were, you were saying, <laughs> sorry, I was listening to yours. No, you it's were okay. Saying that one I'm, of your friends. I'm not the most memorable you, person. It's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whatever. Chris, whatever. So that, um, your kid, Cal, he had just like taken someone's cracker. Out and they were like, mouth. what if your kid's the bully? Yeah. I was laughing my face off. So I was like, it's such a kid thing to do. If someone as an adult, like tried to take my French fries out of my mouth, I think I sucker punch them. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. These are mine. But, right. You just laugh. And you're like, what if my kid's the bully? And you don't want that. Right. And so you teach your kids kindness and you teach your kids love and you teach your kids to be accepting of people. And where does that shift happen, Chris, in which you go, okay, we're all friends with our kindergarten class and everyone gets a treat. But at some point you go, hey, you really don't have to share any part of your life with this person over here that's coming on really strong. Where does that shift happen? Does it happen at seven? Does it happen at 10? When she starts dating at 18, if I'm lucky? Yeah. 37, truly, if I'm being honest, right? I mean, 
when do we, you want your kids to be loving and open, open and accepting, but at some point you have to also go, but not everybody's worth that. And, it, and that's not true. I shouldn't say not everybody's worth that. Cause I feel like everybody is. And, and to go back to my friend, like he was worth all of the efforts that we gave him and still he came up short and that that's his own doing as I'm coming to learn and accept. But when people then continue to just be like, throw him in a jail cell and let him rot to death. Like he still has people that love and care about him. He just does. Well, I've always thought, I, I think I've mentioned this on the show. I, I, as someone who's on medications, Anytime there's like a mass shooting, you you very quickly see, I, I think I've talked about this already, so I'll keep it quick. When you see the news reports go, well, this person was on Wellbutrin. And then I'm reading that and I'm going, I'm on Wellbutrin. I didn't kill anybody. Me too. You know? Like I, Me too. Why is it? And then you start to realize, oh, I, my opinion, you start to Google around with that. You see there's actual press releases and, and it's, very, uh-huh. I think it's gun groups. I think it's, I think it's gun groups going, this is mental illness. It's not guns. All right. That's the right. Game. But my point being, like you said, your friend still has a family. Yours, you were his friend. And you know who the people who have to be saddest and most heartbroken and most horrified are your friend's parents. Your friend, if your friend was seeing a shrink, the shrink feels like, oh God, that I didn't see the warning signs. I bet even like we mentioned, some of the police officers who maybe received these reports are going, oh, oh no. You know, the the people closest to these people are the ones who have to be the ones who are most torn to shreds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's just, it's such a wild thing. It's just not something I ever thought. Nobody does. Nobody wakes up and is like, hmm. This is how my life was meant to be. It's just, it's not, it's not. And I mean, I just want to reiterate, like, I don't want people to feel like, like that I don't have sympathy for this girl that lost her life. Cause I do like my heart is, it's broken. I, yeah. it is shattered for this person. And I don't want people to feel like I don't, I have an undying need to be liked and well-received. And I don't want people to feel like, because I'm in a sense, def- I'm not defending him. I'm not defending him. What's, what am I doing for him? Whatever I'm doing for him doesn't lessen how I feel about what he did and, and who he hurt. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's come off that way even for one second. Okay. For, it's like if this was a fictional story, from your perspective, the main character is the guy you knew as your friend. That's the main character of the story for you doesn't mean you're being insensitive to the person who who clearly you know obviously someone who got their life taken deserves more sympathy and, and right i think right. you are expressing that in a very uh very truthful way while also the information you have relates to this guy so i wouldn't worry about that i wouldn't worry about that thank you yeah because someone who knew her could call me tomorrow and have their you know side of the story filtered through her experience and it would be it yeah the, the very odd thing about that is it's it's ultimately the same story right it's the same factual right. events but it's going to be told in an extremely different way because mm-hmm. of the information and the experiences you have it's one of the weird things yeah. about life now yeah i uh i've never actually thought about this and you were saying before too, and, and I was saying it too. People are allowed to go out and hook up and and not get killed. Let's say that. But you uh-huh. had mentioned in that of like you're allowed to use Tinder, and you are. But but I have to imagine like me, I, I've made the joke where I'm like I actually got together with my wife a few months before Tinder hit big, and I've always been like oh, I would have been the king of Tinder, man. I'm funny, and <laughs> I would have been right. such a charmer. But but again, going back to being a parent, it's. It's one of those things. I remember when I was a kid, I discovered first it was BBS systems, and that's how you'd connect on the internet. And then it was obviously the web and AOL and all these things. And one of the scary things about technology is that it's evolving so quickly now. I never experienced Tinder. Uh-huh. 
my son's going to use apps like that. That's the way of the world now. Right. I don't know what to say to him about that. With your daughter again, and yeah. again, being being female, it's even so much. It's so much more difficult. Of you now have this story where you can sit your daughter down and go, just be, you know, be careful uh, who you meet on Tinder because I knew a guy who uh, murdered someone after picking her up on Tinder. Like that's going to scare the shit right. out of your daughter. But I don't know this technology. Yeah. I didn't grow up with it. Our kids are going to. Yeah, have it is. It, it's never so interesting. Just. My kid probably won't be using Sorry, Tinder because he'll probably put on some VR helmet and have virtual dates. <laughs> Which isn't that a little weirder? Aren't you like, I prefer Tinder over virtual reality. I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's it safer. Is. The technology is so strange. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe your first date, maybe, maybe the first five dates you go on have to be with a hologram <laughs> version of the person. Maybe that's the safest way to do it. You know, and I'm just such a cynic, but even you saying that, I'm like, people, and that's, again, the scary thing about the internet, people can be whoever they want to be. They just can. And so you could be gay. Yeah, let's, I, she could have been, right, let's say she did everything right. Let's play that scenario out. What if they, what if she had driven her own car? What if they had met up five times? What if she had done all of these other things correctly that by society that she should have done, she did. This still could have played out the exact same way, even doing everything correctly. Yeah, he could have become an obsessive Correctly in quotes. He could have become you know, obsessed Yeah, with there's her all and... these other variables. Yeah. Or... So the internet is scary. I mean, yeah. it's really, it's a good thing. It is a good thing, but... It's the biggest double-edged sword in, in the history of civilization, I might say. It, I agree with you. The idea that it's this thing that connects us all. And I, in my work, f feel like I actually, how I have survived as a creative person who's never completely broken through to mainstream success is because of the internet, is because that allows me the ability mm -hmm. to connect with a cult fan base in a very real and profound way. But then you hear about these incel killings where, oh, Kids can a thirteen or fourteen year old boy who still has acne and his voice is still cracking can find a corner of the internet where older men will tell him this is because women are bitches, man. And then Ugh. you see that one kid went out and killed some people because. And then you go, well, maybe the internet's the worst thing ever. And then you have mm -hmm. people who want to regulate it, and then you have other people who step in and go, the the beauty of the internet is that it is unregulated and the people do have power. And then you have Black Lives Matter and you have Me Too, which are driven by the right. internet. And you go, what what is this beast that we're all still figuring out? It's 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 50 years old, and for the first 30 it was just scientists in the military using it. Like, it's so young. Uh -huh. And it's it's the type of thing that's probably actually going to take 100 years for society to fully know how to yeah. use. It's the craziest thing. You're not going to believe this. We have 40 seconds left. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I, I You know, you, you, oh, you just get nerves. Everyone that calls is like, ah, it goes so quick. It really does. But, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me. It has meant the world. And you you said some things that uh, I think will be able to help me Good. It's move not forward in this. Not even 1% of this is your fault. Not even 1% of it was that girl's fault. So how can 1% of it be your fault? It's Thank you. Your, your, friend, your friend lost it. And then on top of that, didn't get help in time. And then on top of that, uh, allowed the demons to drive to some... Some choices that are horrible. It's not your fault. Not your fault. Thank you. Um, before you cut me off, I just wanted to say happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks so much. We'll I, end it on a happy note. Yeah. <laughs> that well, if that isn't if that isn't my work in a nutshell. <laughs> hey, here's an hour about a brutal murder, and uh, I I knew the person. But and, I hope uh, you're last day but was not great. least. Last but not least, happy birthday. <laughs> This must be a Nailed Chris Decker project. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you for sharing and being so open and honest. Get some sleep. Give your daughter a hug and a kiss. And uh, I wish you luck in processing all this. I know it's so much easier said than done. Thank you. Caller, once again, I have to thank you for, for trusting me 
to hear all that stuff. It's really, uh, in its own way, really flattering to me. I don't take it lightly. Uh, again, you were worried about discounting the victim's experience. I do not think you did. Uh, I want to reiterate nothing about that experience. It's something you should hold yourself accountable for. I, I think that that would be so harsh on yourself. And like I said, uh, it's made me think about the world in a way that's just going to make me really appreciate my family and think hard about what my son needs to hear. And, and uh, I think you've walked away feeling the same thing. So I thank you for for underlining those things to me and, and, and all of it for as hard as it was to hear. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Anita Flores. Thank you to Shellshag for the music. We'll see you next time. <laughs>